In this edition of Connecting Dots, we introduce something new. It is Monday, the 14th day of October, 2019, and in this edition that I will be sharing with you, we've got a lot of different things, most of which are unrelated, and we may pull them together at the very end, but as always, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you think. Now, with that said, make sure to listen to the upcoming segment where I'll explain how, well, what we're doing starting with this episode is we're going to try to make listening to Connecting Dots a little easier for those of you who want to go to dots.fm. That's dots.fm. At least that's the goal. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Paul Truesdell, and you are listening to Connecting Dots. Now, make sure to read the disclaimer in our show notes before each episode because our extensive holdings and that of our clients are such that you need to assume, you have to, that we have a position in all companies discussed, and thus a conflict of interest exists. At least you need to assume that, okay? So with that, visit dots.fm for extras that are not shared on third-party podcast players. So the other day I had an opportunity to have a uh, bite to eat in Ybor City. That's in uh, Tampa. And along 8th Avenue, there's a place called the, I believe it's the Tampa Bay Brewing Company. The weather couldn't have been better. I mean, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So what I did is um, had a conversation with a fellow, ordered something called the Bomb. It's a burger that's deep fried, and it was fantastic. So if you're in the um, Ybor City area and you want to have a great burger and along with a beer, I believe it was called the Raisin. I'm going to have to remember that and get back with you on it. But it was fantastic. Enjoyed a great conversation. Mike really enjoyed the conversation. You are one hell of a dude. But Mike made a comment about something that we decided instantaneously. I had this idea, wrote it down on a note, that what we'll do is we'll bust the segments up. I said, well, you know, we uh, did you listen to the last episode? And he said, yeah, the one on Monday was really long. I said, yeah, it, it was a little bit long. We had a lot of different things. Oh, me, oh, my. And he said, you know, one of the things he does is he listens to the episodes on Dots. I said, well, if you go to one of the podcast players like Overcast, you can listen to it in segments. We break it up. And he said, well, generally he listens to it on his um, on his computer when he's working. And uh, so um, it became a little difficult. I had an idea. So here's what we're going to do. Oh, no. We're going to take each segment and put it on dots.fm as its own standalone item. So as a result of that, if you go to dots.fm, you'll get the full podcast player there. And then you get the show notes, but then we're also going to break it down into segments. We're going to give it a shot, see how it works. It depends upon how much time it takes today to do this. And uh, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then it's a one-shot deal. Oh. So after um, some pretty extensive traveling and uh, stayed at a really nice place in Tampa, had a really good uh, week this week. I had an opportunity to um, come back to the office, and on Sunday we had uh, some extensive staff meetings. I don't know about you, but I remember being in college, and it happens periodically since then, of course. when You might remember when you went to class and you studied nonstop and you just got exhausted and you crashed in your dorm room, or in my case, crashed in a car, crashed at a friend's house, or crashed on a couch, or sleeping on the, uh, the comfortable chairs in the uh, Golden Meyer 
library at the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee or in the study carols. You know, you just, you, you just, you studied, you worked. In my case, I worked nonstop, worked my way through college, graduated with money, didn't graduate with, with debt. The bottom line is you get tired, okay? So we had a lot of long, long discussions. And every once in a while, we got up and, and uh, took a break, and I simply took a nap. Took two naps yesterday, which is really unusual. But as a result of that, a lot of things we figured out. One of them is we kind of think that um, Elizabeth Warren is definitely the front runner now for quite some time. And because of the way the primary schedule is set up for the Democratic Party, obviously Trump will be the nominee no matter what anybody wants to try or do. The way it's set up is going it's front-loaded. So the campaign is right now. Biden is at problems. There's no doubt about it. You may be a Biden supporter, but his son and his dealings is going to kill his campaign. Of course, the man's old and he is just not fit to be president of the United States. We all know that. He's made a lot of boo-boos there. Probably at one point in time, he'd been fine. But again, age does affect people. Bernie Sanders, same thing. Man had a heart attack. This is not a nation that's going to put a man in a wheelchair or a woman in a wheelchair or just not going to put those kind of people in office. You can say what you want. You can say everybody has an equal shot, equal right, but I'm not saying they shouldn't. Everybody has the right. What I'm saying is this nation does not elect a person who's crippled, who is significantly damaged physically, emotionally, intellectually. They're not going to do it. So as a result, there was an interesting item on PBS with Elizabeth Warren. I want to play it. And then I'll give you a little commentary as to what it's all about. We're learning today uh, that a new book uh, that is coming out by Donna Brazil, the former acting chair of the Democratic National Committee, that the campaign of Secretary Hillary Clinton was far more influential at the Democratic uh, Party, the Democratic National Committee, than we previously knew. Do you think, though, that what we're learning from Donna Brazil's book suggests that the campaign, that what the Democratic National Committee did, meant this election was rigged? Yeah, I think it was. It's a pretty powerful charge. Well, what we have to focus on now as Democrats is we recognize the process was rigged. And now it is up to Democrats to build a new process, a process that really works and works for everyone. And that as we go forward, we have confidence in the integrity of the system that Democrats, as they run a primary, are going to let the people speak and that we're going to have a candidate who's the candidate chosen by the people. That's our job. So what's going on here? This is uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is channeling what the Clintons did from years ago. So we've got a lady by the name of Hillary Clinton who is definitely out there making some noise about getting back into the race. Now, whether you like it or not, the Clintons still have their machine. It's not like it was. There's no doubt about it. But Warren is trying to prevent that late-stage person from coming into the primary and um, process because you might see something like this. You might see a brokered convention. Now, we've talked quite extensively here about Governor Newsom in California coming in at the late stage. Camilla Harris is melting down. Beto Boy is melting down. The mayor, uh, he's doing a little bit better. But um, it looks like this is Warren's race. So what she's doing is basically painting Hillary Clinton as a crook to make sure that she does not tank the campaign of Elizabeth Warren. And this is just a very interesting strategic thing. Now, from a business standpoint, oh, 
This is what a lot of people have to get used to. It's campaigns, marketing, always going after your opponent if your opponent is a threat. And if you don't have a better mousetrap, you've got to do a lot of different things. And in this case... (gasps) you got to paint Hillary Clinton potentially as a candidate into a corner. So that's really what's going on there. One of the things I think we're going to see, though, coming up is where does Bernie Sanders go? Where does he put his support? And who does he encourage Elizabeth Warren to select as vice president? It won't be him. Oh, me, oh, my. But it will be somebody potentially that can uh, round out the Democratic Party on a solid footing as opposed to that uh, ding-dong that um, Clinton picked when um, she ran last time. If she had had a stronger VP pick, things would have been completely different uh, in my opinion. So when it comes to innovation, just exactly what does innovation mean? How do you define it? Innovation is one of those things where I think we can borrow a phrase from United States Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart when he said about pornography, you know it when you see it. Well, here's the key thing. You do not need to go to one of these university-based innovation centers to see innovation. Now, for the last, well, better part of two, almost three years, we have been pivoting fixed cost financial, everything that I do at our firm, to meet the changes in the economy. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in this podcast. But innovation is taking place everywhere. Manufacturing industries that typically dominated the economy years ago, textiles, for example, televisions, automobiles, you know, they were innovative. Robots. We had the United Auto Workers striking years ago, putting basically Chevrolet and Ford and General Motors at the time out of business because jobs were being moved overseas and robots were taking them. We have a strike now. So what's happened as companies have moved overseas, you have to have new products and services to keep pace with what's going on in the economy. So things expand, things contract. What exactly is innovation? Well, I'm going to give you the names of a couple of companies, and I'll tell you what the story is. Oh, me, oh, my. Autodesk, Chevron, Honeywell. These are just a couple of the companies that you're going to hear more about Tesla, Schwab. We're going to talk about Stryker, for example. We'll talk a little bit about Rayathon, Roper Technologies, even Salesforce, uh, Texas Instruments, and PayPal. What do these companies have in common? Oh, no. These are companies that we are going to be using in a new portfolio here at Fixed Cost Financial that's going to involve innovation. The themes will be The themes will be innovation and income generation. So we've identified about 30 companies in this universe of modern innovators. And it's a new portfolio that we'll be making available to our clients later this week. Every once in a while, we talk about how politics, what do you mean every once in a while? We talk about it all the time. Oh, no. How politics influence affects business. Now, let me make a couple of things really clear right off the bat. There is the quantitative analysis, the facts and figures, right? That's what everybody does in these robo-advisors. That's what this modern portfolio theory thing is all about. And it's a theory. 
doesn't always work. A lot of these people are dependent upon, oh, let the algorithm work it. Oh, let Big Brother Hell from 2001 Space Odyssey work it. You know, it's hard to do numbers. I get that. Most of you have a really difficult time with math. I get that. Some of us, not a big deal. It's kind of brain dead. We find more interest here at Fixed Cost Financial in forecasting using the quantitative as the basis, but then really digging into the qualitative. I'll give you a good example. Who would have ever thought that a guy by the name of Daryl Morey, okay, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, would take it upon himself to tweet? Well, of course, guys can tweet. We know we got a president that tweets all the time. But just before the start of the 2019-20 NBA regular season, we've got this dust up with who else? China. Oh, me, oh, my. Yeah, here we go. It's always about them damn Chinese always causing problems in some way, shape, form, or another. And for some reason, most of the politicians in this country oh, no. turn a blind eye to it. Oh, not Donald Trump. Oh, uh, He's going after him, but everybody else is mad because we have a trade war. We don't have a trade war. We have a trade dispute. <laughs> so here's what this guy did. He supported... Okay, he's the general manager of the Houston Rockets. He put out a tweet supporting the protesters in Hong Kong, people who do not want to see rendition. They're arrested in Hong Kong and then dragged off to some other godforsaken place in China, and they're tried in abstentia, meaning they're not in their in their own home area. They might not even be in court. They just are tried and convicted, and off they go. Now, China's a pretty brutal place for a lot of folks, but the reality is they make cheap things, so we buy, buy, buy right? As long as we buy, everything's good, right? Well, he deleted it because it immediately caused a dust-up. And China is carrying on. Well, again, what's the controversy? Well, I'm not a sports guy like a lot of you, okay? But I did find out that there's a guy by the name of Jason Whitlock. Now, Jason was born in 1967. He's an American sports journalist. And fortunately, he's black. Thank God he's black because if he was white, he could never get away with this. He's a radio personality. He's a former sports writer. He's been with ESPN, the Kansas City Star, AOL Sports, Fox Sports, WHB, KS or KCSP Sports, I think it is. Kansas City, very heavy. Um, he played Division One football at Ball State. I actually happen to know that uh, area. And he was an offensive lineman, okay? He started working part-time at the Bloomington, Indiana uh, Times-Herald. I mean, this guy has been around. Kansas City Star, ESPN, like I told you. And he's... uh He's also been published in Vibe and Playboy and Sporting News. He wrote a 5,000-word column questioning America's incarceration on drug war policies. Okay, so he's kind of cool, right? I mean, this guy has written a bunch of different things. Holy mother of God, did he ever upset the apple cart. Listen to what he had to say. Nike is in control of basketball. The NBA, college basketball, high school. Nike is the real person driving this conversation and this thing with China. If you go back to, now I'm going to connect it to politics. In 2015, in May of 2015, President Barack Obama went to Nike's headquarters in Portland, Oregon, yes. and announced his defense of the TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's right. Trade deal that was going to be very favorable for Nike, for China. Who's the president 
that came after Obama and walked America away from the TPP? Donald Trump. Who is the shoe company that employs LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, and these other athletes that smear Donald Trump as racist? Who are the people constantly criticizing Donald Trump? NBA, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich. The NBA answers to Nike. Nike's a $40 billion business. The NBA is an $8 billion business. President Obama, the basketball president, friendly relationship with the NBA, went to Nike's headquarters to announce his defense of the TPP. This thing is very simple. This is about money. This is about a president that won't cooperate with what Nike wants done. Nike is using the NBA and its leverage over the NBA to go after this guy because they disagree with him about his policies as it relates to trade in China. We've been talking about this here at the office for many, many years, how foreign governments do not need to influence presidential, congressional, or senatorial elections. What they can do is they can influence geopolitical connected companies by simply moving boards of directors in and out. Listen, the other day I did a background check. Uh, this was before I left on my trip. I did a deep dive on a hedge fund in the Boston area. And when I got done looking at the key players, it was just all Chinese nationals. They're here. They're on the board. It is, I mean, this is a major company. And what I did is I started looking at who are they investing in as best as we could figure out. And that's when we said, holy cow, there's a lot of money with companies that are putting pressure on the Trump administration over China. And now here comes this guy, Jason Whitlock. If we said it, again, I'm a white male. I'm in finance. I have a conservative fiscal background. Fiscal, you heard why I said fiscal background. Regardless of whether I'm open-minded on other issues, it doesn't make any difference. If I said this, nobody's going to listen to. But Jason Whitlock said it. Holy cow, that's a big deal. Oh, me, oh, my. Now, Calvin Coolidge had a famous quote. He said, after all, the chief business of the American people is business. And he basically talked about, you know, the business of America is business. Well, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about this all the time, how we have this corporatocracy. So China influences Nike. Nike influences their star athletes. Their star athletes get out and just trash talk the administration. And you have to sit back and start saying, you got to connect the dots. Jason, I got to say, Jason Whitlock, the NBA, Nike, Obama, TPP. Congratulations, man. You did something that almost nobody has the intestinal fortitude to do. That is just simply absolutely cool. So what does Alphabet, Facebook, Amazon, Nike, Starbucks, Tesla, what do these com- companies have in common? Well, I'll tell you in just a minute. What about uh, Charles River Laboratories? Hmm? How about uh, Microsoft? How about First Solar, Apple? Now, I'll stop there because I already gave you way more than I probably should have. These are just some of the companies that we will be using in a new portfolio that we've put together called our Millennial Portfolio. Oh, me, oh, my. 
Now, millennials, well, you're a generation of consumers. You're now the largest demographic, largest cohort in our country. You've got lifestyle preferences, career goals. You have a demanding menu of things like sustainable products and services. There's over 80 million of you guys. (gasps) You were born between 1982 and 2000. You range in age from, uh, well, your late teens to late 30s. And so... Here's the thing. You are even larger now than the baby boomers. So you're moving into your high-earning income years. You account for 26% of the total U.S. income, $2.9 trillion in purchasing power. So one of the things we've done is we've looked very carefully into what the marketing and spending is for baby boomers. We've looked at it for Gen X. But we decided that it's time to create a millennial-specific portfolio. That's kind of cool, right? Oh. So as a result of that, it's going to be available here through Fixed Cost Financial. And one of the companies that we will own is none other than Nike. Now, even though I just told you that uh, Nike has got problems, okay, and I, I got to say, I really do respect what Jason Whitlock said. I just think that's absolutely fantastic. I do want you to also know that one of the advantages of Owning a company that you may not completely agree with politically is this. The advantage is we get to vote against the compensation package and the board of directors of Nike. That's an important item. You see, when we do our stock portfolios with full and fractional shares down to one one hundred thousandths of a share, is we vote the proxy. And I can tell you absolutely unequivocally that when you have a publicly traded company like Nike, we look at the compensation of the CEO. Now remember I told you that I am, and we are here, we're very fiscally conservative. Oh, me, oh, my. But a fellow by the name of Mark Parker, he's going to get paid a boatload, a ton, a crap load of money. In 2019, okay, we voted against this. This guy is making over 550 times the median company's income at Nike. He's going to make, I mean, the company makes $50 billion a year in sales, okay? That's cool. But his total compensation package is over $13.9 million. The average employee, the median employee, makes $25,386. Think about that. $25,386. We have a fellow here in Florida, Charlie Morgan, who is screaming like all Billy Hell because he wants to be governor. He's an attorney and has a big law practice all over Florida, has sued constantly everybody in the world. And he's screaming about Florida needs to have a minimum wage of at least $15 an hour. He can't believe any company would do otherwise. But follow the political contributions of Nike and others around them. Let's take a look at old Charlie Morgan. And then we find out that the average wage at Nike, if you're working a 2,080-hour work year, is $12.20, while the CEO is making just under $14 million. It doesn't doesn't even count all the perks that he gets, you know, flying and all the other things, okay? Here's the thing. This is just plain craziness, if you ask me. You know, the median compensation for employees at at, uh, the S&P 500, you know, generally speaking, counterparts, 68,708. So, 
25,000 Nike, far less than the S&P 500 companies. The, you, the median compensation paid to employees in the S&P 500, these big companies, 68,000. Holy mother. And, and you got all these athletes. You got all these people. You know, think about this. You're not doing all that well, but you got to wear your Nikes, right? You're not doing all that well, but you hate Donald Trump. You're not doing all that well, and you're going to vote Democrat no matter who's running on the Republican side because you hate Republicans. You're not going to vote for, let's say, a white guy or a white woman because they're not a minority. And then at the same time, you're giving this kind of money to a guy who runs a company who is screwing over their employees. Then you got a guy like me who is a stock investor, okay? Fixed Cost Financial is a true, non-discriminatory, individual stock portfolio manager. And we take the position, yeah, we'll take a position in the company so we can vote against these guys because it's not right. Oh, no. Now, think about it. Who's doing a better job? A lot of these people who are into SRI and ESG investing, (gasps) they avoid companies. Don't invest in the company because you don't want to support them. We take a different view. We take a view that's pretty simple in our opinion. An alternative view is to actually buy stock in a company and vote against them. How are you going to change anything? Boycott it? How are you going to boycott a company that's got $50 billion? For Christ's sakes, connect the damn dots. Sometimes, okay, you want to defeat somebody? Defeat them from within. Have a Trojan horse. If you own stock in a company, you get a right to go to the board. Of, you get a right to go to the annual uh, shareholders meeting. Get there, complain, bitch. Do whatever you want to do. You have the right to be there. But if you don't own a share, you're not allowed. They may say stupid things, for example, like, you know, well, you're a, uh, uh, not a partner, but you have, you're a stakeholder in uh, what's going on. You're a stakeholder? Ah! Oh, for crying out loud, get a life. Nobody cares about you being a stakeholder. You got to own stock. If you don't own stock in a company, you can't vote. And when we vote, we vote against these people. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. We vote against them. That does it for today. Thanks for joining me. I'm Paul Truesdell with Fix Cost Financial. You can reach us by phone by calling 212-433-2525 between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's 212-433-2525. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. But ideally, for links, notes, PDFs, videos, and more to this podcast, well, simply go directly to FixCostFinancial.com and click on the blog or podcast links. For quick reference, and this is easy to remember, simply type dots.fm. That's dots.fm. Isn't that cool? And you'll land right on our podcast page. Now visit Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, where it's better because it's simple and works. Break the mold and do it today. All rights reserved. Reproduction or use without written authorization prohibited without written authorization. So now you're here again knocking at my door. A little too late for, I'm sorry for. The lights went out cause you kept cutting the cord. 
So this is a little song from, uh, it's called uh, The Future Is Now, and I thought that would be a cute little item to end with, because what we wound up doing is uh, we looked at um, the future being today in terms of how things are changing with millennials, innovation, Nike, and a whole bunch of other items. So what we did today is we talked a little bit about uh, Nike, about boycotts. We talked a little bit about, uh, really, a Trojan horse, how you can actually own stock in a company through Fixed Cost Financial and help us help you by voting no against a lot of these bums who are making way too much money. So you have a direct and indirect protest. If you have an indirect protest, you don't. Well, buy the company. That's what the traditional approach is with ESG and SRI and investing. An alternative approach, again, you can argue pros or cons. We won't do that. Your approach is fine. So we have blacklist investing. Remember, with blacklist investing, you can say, no, I don't want to own Nike. But the way we do it, if you got it, we're going to vote no against these bums in the proxy votes. So, again, it's just a different approach in how you do things. Business, yeah, business is business. That's the business of the nation. It's the business of the world. Business is business. I'm Paul Truesdale, and I'm a lifestyle business where business is a lifestyle, and I want you to do the same exact thing. And remember, do what you like, are good, profitable, and can control. So today you're going to go to dots.fm. That's dots.fm. You'll see the segments. You can listen to each item broken up. If you go to Overcast and various other podcast players, you'll see that our segments are there for you. Hey, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. We had a great time. And go to fixedcostfinancial.com. That's fixedcostfinancial.com. And stop pissing and moaning about it. you got to become a client because the way we do it, my God. It's better because it's simple and it works.